haven't heard before. Um, but we're going to look into tonight, uh, the title of my message tonight is In and Out. It's In and Out. Um, because kind of what I want to look into tonight is answering the question of, how does this apply to my life? What does this have to do with me? Um, that's probably one of the biggest questions to run into when talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think that we've spent quite a while and, and quite a bit of time discussing why the Holy Spirit is so relevant to our lives. Uh, you've heard me say it before that God is in heaven. Jesus is sitting at his right hand in heaven. Uh, but now we have the Holy Spirit living in the earth with us. That's why he's so important to us. That's why he's so vital to our daily lifestyle. And so he's the one that helps us make these daily choices. He's the one that helps us uh, portray and live out the fruit of the Spirit, the peace and the patience and the, the, uh, the, the love and the self-control. The Holy Spirit is the one that lives with us, helping us make those decisions on a regular daily basis. This is not, uh, you know, hey, the Holy Spirit came and decided to live with me today. No, he, he's in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is a daily ongoing thing. This isn't at church. A lot of people come to church to experience the Holy Spirit. Um, but I'll be honest with you, we should be bringing the Holy Spirit with us, not coming here to meet up with Him. Um, he's a daily uh, lifestyle within us. He's the one that's encouraging to live us, help us live the life in the Spirit. Uh, but when we get into the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit, that's where we start kind of, well, that's not for me. Um, that's for fivefold ministry. Um, that's for church. That's for spiritual people. Um, and I'll tell you right now, we're not going through gifts of the Spirit and, and, and talking about this topic uh, so we can be more spiritual than the other church down the block. That's not our goal. Uh, we've already seen that what makes you a spiritual person is the fruit of the Spirit being evident in your life. Uh, it's not by giving a tongue and interpretation. It's not by laying hands on someone. It's not by uh, having a work in miracles and all these things we're about to look at. It's by living out the fruit of the Spirit in your life. That's what makes you a spiritual person. Um, so that, that, this is not our goal. You, you don't walk out of here saying, well, I go to Anchor Faith Church. We're the most spiritual church in, in, in the county. The only thing that's going to make us the most spiritual person is if you go to your work and you operate in love and you operate in peace and you operate in self-control uh, when you punch in the clock and when you're at home with your family and you're treating your spouses properly and treating your kids properly, that's what makes us a spiritual church. I'll just go ahead and tell you, okay? But let's look at a verse here real quick to open up. I'm going to show you why it's so important. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is mostly where we've been stationed for the past few weeks in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. Last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 2. And the reason we're looking at it so much is this where Paul is really beginning to outline the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. He's talking to a church that was actually operating in it so much that they were getting out of order. And, get, and there was chaos and confusion starting to, to, to step in the church. And so he's having to lay down some guidelines and stuff. But look what he says here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. He's saying, he's telling us to desire spiritual gifts. That word desire, that means to have a zealous or fiery passion about it. 
This isn't just something that's on the back burner. This isn't something that we scan over or uh, we just, you know, spend one service talking about or never talk about or decide if we want to talk about it. Um, that's, not, that's not what he's communicating here. And he, again, he's talking to a church that is already moving and operating in these things. And the reason he's saying that is because he's getting ready to have to lay some groundwork where they could, they could instantly think, wow, we haven't been doing this right. Maybe we should stop doing it. Maybe we shouldn't be having these things happen. Maybe we shouldn't be moving with the Holy Spirit. Maybe we shouldn't be desiring the gifts so much. But Paul go ahead. He went ahead and let them know, look, you need to desire the spiritual gifts. You need to desire having the Holy Spirit move in your services. But this is how you do it. But again, you know, and I've talked about it in the past few weeks, that this is a, a topic, this is a part of the Bible that many churches are just kind of throwing out. Um, they're just kind of not talking about it. We don't want to hit the subject. But from what I'm looking at, Paul is telling us to passionately go after spiritual gifts. Have a zeal, have a passion about the move of the Spirit operating in your services. So to me, this does not sound like something that we just get rid of because a few people have messed it up. This doesn't sound to me like something that uh, we throw out if we feel it's going to offend somebody or we don't feel like talking about it or it makes us uncomfortable. I'm going to tell you right now, there are a lot of churches that, uh, especially in this day and age, are doing a whole lot. I'm talking having staff meetings and board meetings. They are bringing their congregation together. They are uh, sending people to conferences. They are uh, traveling all around the world, spending all kinds of money to find out how to naturally appeal to people. How can I appeal to your flesh? Can I get the lights bright enough? Can I get the music loud enough? Can I get the seats soft enough? Can I get the coffee hot enough? And there, this has become our forefront focus. And I'm not saying we don't focus on that because, dude, if I can't get your flesh here, forget your spirit. i got to get your flesh here. But the focus, once I get you here, ought not to be on, okay, how how'd you like the music? Did I sound all right? Did I go too long? I mean, you know, we go to these things and we hear, we hear pastors who have done this for years tell people, tell other pastors, tell ministers, if you cut your sermon in half, the time length in half, you'll get more people. <laughs> I mean, I'm not lying to you. And it's, I struggle with that because Jesus would talk on a mountain for days on end, multitudes following him, not just his twelve that had to go because he said, follow me, so they left their stuff and fall. I'm talking multitudes. 5,000 people, not including men and women, are sitting on the side of a mountain not even thinking about food because they're listening to what he's saying. I want to have that kind of service. Let's just sit on the grass and I'll talk to you for days on end. I mean, they were out there for two or three days. And finally their disciples said, you know what? They're probably going to get hungry. We need to go get them some food. Let's go in town and get them some food. And Jesus says, I ain't got time for that. I got too much to talk about. Just Who's got food here? Give me, give me something that I can multiply. Give me something that I can tear apart until we don't run out. Those are the kind of services Jesus was having. He's not thinking, all right, if I can cut this down to 30 minutes, then I can get more people to follow me. 
You know why people follow Jesus? Because the lame walked, the dead were raised, ears were opening up, demons were being cast out. That's why people were following him. So why don't we go into these conferences asking the question, how can we get the lame to walk? How can we get the dead to rise? We're not asking those questions. We're saying, uh, how can I make the auditorium more suitable so where everybody feels like they're close to the stage? How can I get the lights and and the worship so loud and, and, and so boisterous that it makes them want to come back? How can I shorten my sermon down to where I get all the key points but they don't feel like they... We're talking to people that will go to a movie for two and a half, three hours and not think. They will hold their pee. That's who we're talking to. So we have this, this, this age right now. Um, and I'm telling you, the, the church is just in, or it's in an identity crisis. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know who we are. And we don't know what we're trying to accomplish in the earth. And so we're having to break all this stuff down. I'm, I, I'm, I have nothing against getting down on people's level and finding where you're at. Jesus did that all the time. I mean, he, he saw a man up in a tree that was trying to see him, and he said, you come down here with me. Let's go talk. Let's go to your house. That's who Jesus was. I got nothing against that. But I, I think that we just limit people. Who says that our people can't tolerate us talking about gifts of the Spirit? Who says that our people can't tolerate uh, understanding tongues and interpretation? I know it sounds weird. I know that. I know it sounds weird. But the Bible places so much value and so much importance on it, why would I throw it out? So what I want to talk about tonight is developing a desire for the spiritual gifts. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to lose you. I'm going to lose you in the next few weeks when I start talking about working in miracles, and you're thinking... What's that got to do to me? Do with me. I'm going to go home tonight, maybe fix some dinner, wake up tomorrow, punch in at work. And what does your 30-minute, 45-minute, hour-long sermon you gave to me 12 hours ago have to do with me at my work? That's what people were asking. That's what people want to know. So I want to develop an expectancy. I'm going to tell you right now that the times that I have been in services where the Holy Spirit moved, He did not move if people didn't expect him to move. If people didn't want him to move, if people didn't desire the Holy Spirit to operate in that service, the most powerful, anointed services I've been in in my entire life, where the pastor couldn't even preach, where people are so uh, under the anointing and under the power of God, it happened because much preparation went into it. Because the pastors and the leaders of those services were on their face for hours before those services saying, God, what do you want to do in this service? And they built up such an expectancy. The conferences and the the seminars and the week-long things that I've been to, the Holy Spirit most of the time did not move on Monday or Tuesday. He moved on Thursday and Friday. Why? Because Monday and Tuesday... And Wednesday, you're just building people up and you're just stirring up an expectancy and a desire to where by Thursday and Friday, it's just blowing open. I mean, they can't contain it anymore. Because on Monday, Monday, you know what? They just taught the Word like I'm doing tonight. Where's the Holy Spirit in that? Well, we've already know, we already know that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. Before any of this power stuff, before any of these manifestations, He will teach you and He will guide you and He will lead you and He will help you. We already know that. So the Holy Spirit was there just as much on Monday as he was on Thursday. 
But man, Thursday is where the, the gifts and the manifestations start taking place because you've got a room full of people that are like-minded in one accord, just like Acts chapter 2, and because they were expecting. Why were those people, why were those 120 in that room expecting in Acts chapter 2? Because of Acts 1.8. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, wait for me, and I will fill you, I will bring my Holy Spirit upon you, and you will receive power. Now tell me, tell me, if you're, if you're there hearing Jesus talk about that, that when you get to that upper room, you're not waiting and expecting. Tell me you don't have an expectancy inside of you. Of course you do. Jesus just said, if you go wait for me, then I will fill you with my Holy Spirit and you will receive power. I'm all over that. I'm all over some Holy Spirit power. I'm all over whatever Jesus is talking about. They had no clue what he's talking about. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit looked like. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit was like when he comes upon you. Because Jesus had to leave for the Holy Spirit to come. See, that's something different than what we have. We've seen manifestations. We've seen the Holy Spirit move. And so we know what it's like when it happens and what it's like when it doesn't happen. But these guys, they don't know what they're waiting for. Jesus just says, go to Jerusalem, go wait, and I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit and you'll receive power. So when the day finally came, when the day of Pentecost came, that experience happened because you had 120 people sitting in one room. Imagine what we could do if we had 120 people sitting in this room expecting and waiting for the same Holy Spirit with the same passion and desire that they had. And so that's what we're talking about tonight. That's what we're talking about, the desire. For me to bring up desire for you, you've got to know three things. And I want to hit on three things. The first is, what's in it for me? <laughs> what's in it for me? That's what everyone wants to know. Anytime, uh, I, I didn't know that I wanted ice cream so bad until I had it. Until I knew what its benefits were. Until I knew how awesome it tasted. Until someone told me, hey, you've got to try this. Okay? You don't desire something without first finding out what's it going to do for me. And so we want to know what's in it for me. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. What's in it for me? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3 says, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Verse 4, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets, that the church may receive what? Edification. So what's the common theme there? Edifying. Edification. Exhortation. Comforting. That's what's in it for the church. That's what's in it for you. If you want to be edified, and we saw a few weeks ago that edification was encouragement and strengthening through instruction. So if you want that strength and encouragement to come to you, then gifts of the Spirit is where it's at. Gifts of the Spirit is what you want operating in your life. Gifts of the Spirit is where the body edifies itself. And gifts of the Spirit is where you edify yourself. I'll tell you, some of these are can be done privately just as much as publicly. If I speak in tongues to myself, 
with no one around me. I've just edified myself. I've just built myself up. I've just strengthened myself. And we'll look into these things as we start digging in. So what's in it for me? Well, edification, exhortation, comforting. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Well, I don't know about you, but when I come to church, I want, there, I want to be some profit. I want to gain something. And so he says right here that when the Spirit manifests himself, there is a gaining. There is a profiting. I mean, I don't want to go to church and lose something. I don't want to go to church and lose my time, lose value on the Word, and, 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 and just do something just for the sake of doing something. He says right here that when a manifestation of the Spirit is in operation, there is a profiting, there is a gaining, there is an adding to. You, when you walk out these doors, you should feel like you've just been added to. You should feel like you just gained something. You just feel like you're walking away with something that you did not walk, away, walk in with. That's what happens when the Spirit manifests Himself. The first key to desirability is what is in it for me. The second key is knowledge. The second key is knowledge. When you start to learn about something, that's when you desire it to happen. That's when you desire it to take place. That's when you desire to see it. And so part of building up a desire for the gifts of the Spirit is just learning about them. And I believe that in these next few weeks, as we continue to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, I continue to, to break them down individually, and you understand how they work and why they work and what they do for you, that as you gain that knowledge, that you'll find yourself desiring. I know I have. Once I found out what tongues will do for me, then I desired tongues. When I, find, when I found out what the working of miracles can do for someone, then I went to church desiring to see working of miracles in operation. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. He's saying, I don't want you to misunderstand it. I don't want you to misinterpret it. I don't want you to not know about it. The Bible says that the lack of knowledge is one of man's greatest enemies. What has led to the destruction of the church is the lack of knowledge. Just simply being ignorant about things. Just simply not knowing how they work. That's where the enemy roams. That's where he rules, is in what you don't know. See, if you don't know what tithing will do for you, then the enemy will attack you in your finances. Because he knows that you don't know the key to getting out of a financial struggle is by giving into God's kingdom. So as long as you don't know this, He's got you in this. And that's how the enemy works. Well, the enemy has been working in some churches because they are ignorant on how the spiritual gifts operate. I mean, that's what Paul was saying to the Corinthian church in the first place. That's why he's saying don't be ignorant. Because you have them operating. They're, they're, they're flowing. You've got psalms and hymns. Everyone's got a tongue. Everyone's got this. Everyone's got that. And... He's saying that we're actually not profiting anything because you're ignorant on how they work. You're ignorant on how the Holy Spirit is to operate in your services. So learning about something brings a desire, brings a desire for it. And the, the third thing here, that what, what will step up your desire for spiritual gifts, 
you may not desire them much right now. You may not know a whole lot about them. But the third thing that will help you desire spiritual gifts more is understanding. Is understanding how they work. I think that one of the biggest hindrances for people uh, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit and, and, and the manifestations of the Spirit is that they have seen them worked improperly. And you've heard me say this, and I've seen it. And I'll tell you, I'd rather have a service without it than have a service with someone misusing it. I'd, I'd rather have, if all we had was a bunch of people that didn't know how to use guns, then I'd rather take the guns out of their hands. <laughs> Why? Because you become dangerous. Something that is used as a weapon that can benefit you is actually hurting you and others because you don't know how to operate it properly. See, my my vehicle is a benefit to me. It keeps me from having to start my walk all the way back home. But for Camden, it wouldn't be much of a benefit. Why? He don't know how to use it. He can't use it. He's not able to use it. And so I think one of the biggest hindrances to the church and gifts of the Spirit and manifestations of the Spirit is because we don't know how to use it. We don't understand how to use it. Uh, we, 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 look at the, uh, we, we look at spiritual gifts as spiritual toys. Ooh, a new, new toy. What's this shiny thing do? What, what am I supposed to do with this? Wow, tongues and interpretation. That's cool. Let's try it out, see if it works. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm not one of those that I'm in the try it out business in church. The church is too holy. Church is too sacred to, let's see if it works. Let's try it out. Let's, it, it's not a guinea pig. First of all, God said he was building his church. So I'm not even building it, first of all. So I, I have no business coming in and say, eh, let's try this to see if it works. Let's mess around with this. Let's experiment with that. I, I, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just putting myself out there, maybe I'm, I'm dumb, but I think that if I'm going to operate something that God is wanting to build, that I think he could just tell me, no, let's not do that. Yes, let's do that. But, you know, we just got a lot of pastors that think, you know, let's, let's see if this works. Let's try to, let's try to do this. Let's, man, I just want to hear the Holy Spirit. When it comes to church, when it comes to doing his work, uh, I don't want to just go around trying stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think God can do better than that. I think God can get it right the first time. And um, so, you know, we just we just need to do a little more work. We just need to do a little more work with it. We just need to quit quit trying things out or quit trying to figure out, will this do it or will this not do it? Um, I just want to be excited about what the Holy Spirit's doing in our services. So that's why we're that's why we're talking about these things. Um, so I just want y'all to know um, what what my heart is on it, um, and I, I kind of want to express kind of why we're why we're going here, why we're talking about this, why we're why we're dealing with this, um, because we are a young church, and I realize that. Um, and when I say young, I mean young in time, and I I mean young in maturity, and that goes for myself. I'm growing in this thing just as much as you are. And um, I believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are very important in the church today. I mean, let's talk about some of the things we've looked at. Let's do a small recap real quick. 
some of the reasons why we've looked at the Holy Spirit so important and the operation of the Holy Spirit in our churches. One, we saw last week that God has put man on the earth as his ambassadors, doing his work. That's why God has put man on the earth. God is in heaven, ruling in heaven, but on the earth he has placed man and inside the church to do what? Kingdom business. We are doing the work of heaven on the earth. So the Holy Spirit is how God communicates that process. The Bible says that who knows the spirit of a man except the, who knows the thoughts and the intents of a man except the spirit of a man. So let's go over to God. Who knows the thoughts and the intents of God? His Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now, if I'm doing God's work in the earth, how do I find out what God wants to do? By His Holy Spirit. So, if, if I push away the Holy Spirit, or if I push away the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit is how He manifests the mind of God. The gifts of the Spirit. If, if I go up to Dennis and I give him a word of knowledge on a situation concerning him, guess what I've just done? I've just given Dennis what God thinks about that situation. Very simple. That, to me, that does not seem like something we need to be throwing out. That does not seem like something we just need to bypass or not talk about or if it ever comes up or if someone has questions. So, as your pastor, I'm being proactive here. I've only been here since October, and on Wednesdays I've done two series. I've done The Kingdom of God, which was about 11, 12 weeks long, and since then I've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Why have I been talking about the Holy Spirit so much? Because He is the whole reason why this church is going to do what it's going to do in this city. The Holy Spirit is the whole reason why you're going to do what you're going to do in your lifestyle, in your job, in your home, as a parent, as a daughter, as a son. Uh, as an employee, as an employer, as a co-worker, as a shopper in Walmart, as an attendee at your child's baseball game. I mean, I don't care what you're doing. The Holy Spirit is the one that is most impacting your life. God puts you here. Jesus gave you the, the ability to be recreated in His kingdom. But now the Holy Spirit is the one walking day to day, step by step with you. Do this. Go here. Make this choice. Don't make this choice. Act like this. Respond like this. Say this. Don't say this. That's the Holy Spirit. So I, just, I want to take a moment to kind of reprogram, refocus. You know, you know how it is. When you get, you get deeper into subjects and you spend more time in it, you start to forget why you started the whole thing. Why am I doing this? What's the whole purpose? So I just want to refocus a little bit because... Next week, I'm going to start breaking down the nine gifts of the Spirit. And I don't want us to be sitting back thinking, hmm, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Don't know how I'm ever going to use that. Gift of faith. No, nope. can't think of a scenario where I'll need to use that. And then what do we do? We just block it off to church. I'm telling you, the, the, the people in, in Corinthian church, in 1 Corinthians 14, where they're having all these hymns, all these psalms, all these uh, uh, tongues and interpretations, everyone was given a prophecy. You know why they did that? It's because in a daily lifestyle, they were preparing themselves and they were desiring the gifts of the Spirit. 
on Monday and Tuesday, on Thursday and Friday, on Saturday, not just on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. These people were daily walking and living with the Holy Spirit and wanting to see the Holy Spirit manifest in their life. And we're talking about imperfect people. We know about the mess that this church was doing. We know about the things that they had going on in their services. And God was still wanting to use them. God was still wanting to operate by His Spirit. What I'm wanting to do, and I know it's a little different, um, as a pastor, I, I, I keep wind of what churches are doing. Not because I want to one-up anybody, not because I want to try to keep up with everybody, but I, I, have, I have a right and responsibility to know what God is doing in the church today. And one of the things that I'm seeing fall away is gifts and manifestations and moving of the Holy Spirit. We go to church and we get a good word. Uh, we get to hang out with other people and, and fellowship. Those are all good things. That's exactly why we need to become a church. We get an opportunity to worship God, to praise Him. Uh, we, we hear about different events that are going on, things that we can do in our community. But I, I'm still not seeing the correlation with the beginning church. The church in Acts and the church in Ephesians and the, the church in Colossians and the church in Galatians, Corinthians. I'm still not seeing the correlation to today's church and their church. And to me, I believe the number one missing ingredient ingredient is allowing the Holy Spirit to move. And I, I know of a church um, in the United States that has their services timed to the T. Every service is exactly Praise and worship is 17 minutes long. The pastor has 30 minutes to preach. I'm not, I mean, he, he has a countdown clock. It's not just in his head. Okay, I know, I started here. So I, he has a clock counting him down. 29, 28, 5, 4, 3. You know, and, and, and my question is, is okay, we want to be... We want to be uh, more conscientious of people's time. Okay, I understand that. Especially on a Wednesday night. You know, I don't want to keep you here all night. But what if the Holy Spirit did? I don't know what, I don't know what the Holy Spirit wants to do until He tells me this is what I want to do. Now, if He tells me, if he tells me at 3 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, this is what I want to do tonight, and that's happened, then we're doing it. Whether I have my service all planned out, I'll tell you right now, the Holy Spirit has disrupted my life many times. I'll tell you, as a pastor, I mean, even as a children's pastor, there was one time as a children's pastor, thinking, okay, what could the Holy Spirit really want me to do as a children's pastor? So as a children's pastor, two years ago, I think it was, back in 2000, 2010, 2010, I had my service all planned out, especially for children. You really got it planned out. I mean, you got games and skits and puppets and videos and all. You got the thing down, okay? And um, the Holy Spirit, during praise and worship for our kids' service, tells me, scratch everything else and ask if anyone needs healing in their body. Well, they're kids. Every every kid, I need healing for this or I need healing for that. you know, you're thinking, okay, really, I'm going to scratch my entire service that I've been planning since Monday for this. But I did it. 
And, I mean, you'd be blown away by the testimonies that came out of it. I mean, people with ear infections that literally, no ear infections, went back to the doctor the next day, kids getting testimonies and reports. And not only was it encouraging for them and for me, but it was encouraging for the parents. Look, my child is being healed of an ear infection. My son doesn't have a stomach ache anymore. I mean, just thank God I flowed with the Holy Spirit and not with my agenda. And so that's where we, we've been getting stuck as, as, a, as a body. We call ourselves the body of Christ, but it's a bunch of men doing what, the, what their agenda dictates them to do. And I'm going to tell you right now, the more and more you plan a service and the more and more you put into a production of a service the harder it is to get away from it. Because you immediately start thinking, but I've done this and this and this and this. And... But I've made it my goal as your pastor, as a pastor of this church, that no matter how tight, no matter how ordered, no matter how produced we get, I'm going to tell you, God's all about order. Look at the tabernacle. Look at the temple. I mean, look at how uh, specific he is in the directions of how those things were built. I mean, bring the best gold. And don't just make it out of gold. Hammer it. Beat it down. Uh, this thing needs to be... I mean, look at the specification for the ark. What if, what if Noah was off by a foot? I'm telling you, God has never... God has not moved on anything that wasn't built according to His standard. So God is very specific. He has order. And we're all about order. We're all about excellence. But when it comes down to it, what we're about to talk to and what we've been talking about for a while now, over three months we've been talking about this, that is the number one ingredient. And everything we do, these lights, the TVs, the, the music, the whole show, the whole thing, will go to the wayside to let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do. And so I can't promise you that we'll get out of here every Wednesday night by the time that we normally do. We're going to go with what the Holy Spirit says. Now I'm not saying next week we're going to practice a Holy Spirit service and see what it's like to stay till midnight. We're just going to obey the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you right now, I've been in services where it was 1 o'clock in the morning and you didn't even know it. It felt like 9. It felt like 9 o'clock. You're thinking, what in the world have we been doing for the last 6 hours? I've been in those services. I've been in revivals where you get to the end of the week. It was a one-week revival, and you just say, you know what? We're going to do this again. And you do it another week, and you just keep going. until You just let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do. And that's where people's lives are changed. I can't change your life. I'll tell you right now. The things I can do are limited to natural resources. But when the Holy Spirit moves, that's when the spiritual aspect comes in, takes over your life, and I'm all about letting the Holy Spirit do his thing. I'm not saying this is a, you don't, don't walk out of here and say, great, Pastor Mark's going to, he's going to have one of them weird churches. The Holy Spirit's going to be moving. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's moving right now. I don't know if you realize that or not, but the Holy Spirit's moving by the preaching of the word. He moves just as much in reading this and, and communicating this as he does if I were laying hands on people and people were falling down. It don't matter. I'm going to tell you right now, an emotional response does not, uh, does not uh, confirm a spiritual move. 
In fact, we'll find a lot of times that an emotional, natural response can sometimes uh, override the spiritual move. I'm not about, I don't care if I lay hands on you for healing and you jump up and down 15 times or you go, thank you, and go back to your chair. I don't care. The Holy Spirit is just as powerful regardless of your response. And so that's why, that's why we're, we're talking about this. That's why we're taking this time to look at what the Holy Spirit really is. You know, uh, that's what you have to do. I mean, you've got to do it with your kids every day. The world has skewed and the world has perverted different things. And so you're having to go to your kids and say, okay, this is not how we do it. This is how we do it. Well, that's what I'm doing with you. The world has twisted. The, the enemy has gotten in and, and distorted some things. You may have seen some things in churches previously before. And, and you're thinking, what is this? I, I don't think I want any part of that. But I'm going to sit you down and I'm going to say, this is how we do it. That's what Paul did with this Corinthian church in, in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, this is how you've been doing it. You've been, everyone's been doing this. Everyone's been doing that. Now, Let's, I'm going to sit you down. Let's bring some order to it. Let's, let's, let's see what God's design is. Let's see if God's purpose. And then we'll find out that when the Holy Spirit truly moves, He gets all the glory. It's not going to be, look what Anchor Faith Church is doing. It's going to be, look at what God is doing in Anchor Faith Church. That's what it's going to be. He's going to get the glory in this church. He's going to get the glory in your life. Because we are going to determine. I'm going to tell you right now, as your pastor, I'm determining. I will not entertain you. I will train you. I'm not here to entertain. I'm not here to put on a show. I'm not here to, to have you walk away. Man, you know, that was an awesome service today. Pastor Mark was... It's not me. It is not me. It is the Word of God. And I want you to walk, around, walk out of here saying, Man, tomorrow I know I can wake up and face tomorrow's challenges. I know tomorrow... That whatever comes to me at work, I know if that coworker's there and they're talking bad about me again, I know that I can walk in love. I know that I got this bill to pay tomorrow, but I know God's going to come through and He's going to take care of my needs. I know that I've been dealing with this sickness in my body, but I know because of the word I heard tonight, I'm strengthened that God is my healer and He will restore my situation. That's what I want you to walk out of here with. That's what I want everyone to walk out with. Not that that was a cool show. You know, I heard someone... Uh, uh, another pastor said, you know, back growing up, and it's same for me, when I was growing up, you didn't walk in a church and say, wow, this is cool. I never said that. I mean, I went to churches with green and pink carpet and beat up wooden pews and, you know, music that was half good. I mean, you know, it's nothing that it is today. Today, there are some churches that can, they can put on some good natural, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but I am saying we need to get our focus on the Holy Spirit. I want to say, would we be able to unplug every instrument, turn off every light, shut down every screen, and would the Holy Spirit be able to move? Or are we so stuck to, there's no guitar, there's no drums, the pastor's not screaming in my face, the, there's no video. There's, if I were to be able to turn all of it off today, would we still be able to have church? If we were sitting out in the grass, would we still be able to have church? That's why we're doing this series. That's why we're taking this time. So I just want to take tonight to focus on that because I want you to desire, just as Paul said, 1 Corinthians 12.1, desire, 14.1, desire spiritual gifts. I want you to desire those gifts. Amen.
Father, we thank you for your word this evening. I thank you, Father, for a body, for a, a group of men and women, these people that you have blessed this church with, Father. And I thank you that you desire to, to move in our midst, not to lift any one person up, not to lift up a name or an organization or a, a ministry, Father, but to lift you up, to have you glorified so we can walk into our jobs on Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, knowing that we are empowered to do kingdom work. The gifts of the Spirit, it's not something that we're fearful of any longer. It's not something that we dodge or try to, to, try to uh, suppress, Father. But I thank you that we are bold about it. We are excited and we desire to see spiritual gifts in operation in this church. We desire to have you speak, not just the words of men, but the words of God. And Father, I thank you that because of that, we will see some things in this church that will blow our minds, that will cause people to say, what is God doing through those people? What is God doing in that church? And you will get the glory. You will be lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.